Hello, and welcome to Ernie Ball's Striking a Chord podcast. I'm Evan Ball. On today's episode, we have the one and only Jared Dines. Today, we welcome YouTuber, shredder, vocalist, multi-instrumentalist, renaissance man, Jared Dines to the podcast. If you have never checked out Jared's videos, you need to. Shred Wars, 18 string guitars, all kinds of clever and creative music-related video content there. In this episode, we touch on many things such as YouTube and other social media as an outlet for musicians, the viral video experience, internet trash talkers, a typical day in the life of Jared Dines, what his guitar practice looks like, his favorite videos he's done, his favorite guitarists, his signature guitar, new projects, and finding fulfillment. Ladies and gentlemen, Jared Dines. Jared Dines, welcome to the podcast. What's up? Hey, glad to have you here. Glad to be here, man. This is going to be fun. Yes. So let's start here. You've had a career path in music mm-hmm. that might not be familiar to some, some older folks. If you were to explain what you do to like a, a middle-aged soccer dad, kind of like me, how would you do it? That's a great question because I actually don't know. If I'm being completely honest, um, it depends on what I'm doing and who I'm talking to. If I am trying to rent a house, then I'll say something like musician or uh, maybe a content creator, you know, because it's more, it sounds a little bit better than YouTuber, right? (laughs) But um, it's obviously saying YouTuber is much more uh, easy for people to understand in today's day. As far as what I view myself as, uh, pro- just a musician, I mean, YouTube is the platform that I started on to kind of gather the audience that I have, but I post on Facebook, I post on Instagram, I, you know what I mean? I do a lot of different stuff. I write songs, um, I have merch, all this kind of thing. Yeah. And so it's really just all encompassed in me being uh, the musician and whatever I can host my music and whoever wants to listen, I'll just put it up wherever, you know? Yeah. Maybe you could explain the different platforms as they relate to you putting out content and maybe your career at large. Cause I imagine they sort of evolve through your career. Uh, YouTube, when I first started, it was never anything that I thought was going to, this is going to be my career. You know what I mean? I never thought that it was always just, I like, guitar and music. I like doing skits. I grew up with a little Sony camcorder. My parents bought me a a little cheap camcorder. So me and my brother would actually make a lot of skits growing up. And then I discovered music and my love for guitar. So it just made sense that they kind of uh, combined, but I digress. So YouTube, when I first started, it was just kind of for fun. And then it kind of started getting traction, which was very new to me and I didn't know how to handle it. So I just started posting whatever came to my mind. I have been doing music now for probably almost 20 years. And I've been in my local scene in bands and recording bands. I had a recording studio back when I was, uh, you know, growing up, I did that for seven or eight years. So I had a lot of back catalog to pull from as far as stereotypes go, kind of making, Mm. making fun of things, you know, lightheartedly, of course, and half the things that I say, are things that I've done and things that I've said and mistakes that I've made personally. And I just put them into skits and relatable ways to other people. And back then when I started on YouTube, it was just the only place that really made sense to post videos. Um, You started having your content creators, you know, people were having actual channels. Uh, You were gaining followings and stuff like that. So I was like, yeah, let's try the YouTube thing. And I was just bored one day and I did a little video and it took off and it's been great. But back then there was no real DMCA takedowns, which would be um, if you use any copyrighted music nowadays, those record labels are coming for YouTubers and Twitch streamers who are using, say, if you play smoke on the water in the background of your video, yeah. uh, they're going to either remove your video or they're going to 
take your video's money. So, so even if you're not playing the actual sound recording, you're just playing the riff to smoke on the water or whatever, they mm-hmm. will actually be able to grab that too? There was a video I did. It was called If Guitars Could Talk. And in one of the videos uh, or in one of the clips in that video, there's a guitar sitting on a couch and there's a little superimposed Photoshopped mouth on the guitar, right? And it's my mouth and it's speaking as the guitar. It's silly video. And I literally just go, dun, 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 dun. That's all I did. And then it just quick cutted to something else, you know, because it was just, that was the joke was smoke on the water. They removed that video because I mouthed dun, dun, dun for like four seconds. Yeah. They're ruthless. <laughs> like they don't care. Do you think the algorithm was able to sniff that out? I wouldn't think so. That's no. probably a human being that that's a human that being. One. So it. Yeah. what happened in 2018, I woke up one day to probably 50 or 60 of my videos being taken down. And then over the course of the next three to four weeks back in 2018, probably up to a hundred were removed whereas these videos were live for two to four years and now suddenly in one day there's a hundred removed that's a person for sure that's someone that's a label i think that was like hey go check out this youtube stuff you know someone over at warner brothers go look at this see what we can what we can snag here and you know i get it it's for sure to protect the copyrighted music that the record labels own, but there used to be a fair use type of deal. And I feel like that's just completely gone out of the window. Um, I feel like it used to be something where you could do either 15 seconds or eight seconds of a clip of original uh, or, you know, recorded copyrighted art audio, and that would be fine. Now it's, I can't even mouth it. you know what I mean? So. Yeah. This might be a little, little tacky of me to bring this up, but I actually had a viral YouTube video. Oh, nice. Yeah. Have you ever seen the uh, golden retriever that can't catch food? It's in slow motion. Oh, I have. That was you? <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. When when did you film that? That was probably six years ago, six oh, or seven years so ago. that's so funny. So yeah, I had I had a little little season of fun with that where yeah. they flew me out to Good Morning America, like did a bunch of shows. And, really? Uh, oh man, that I never knew that. That's hilarious. Yeah. So Fritz Dog is the name of the channel, but pretty much dormant now but yeah i did notice some of the videos it'll just have like i usually did my own music for it but some of them would just i just get a copyright claim on it and they just grab the the monetization which isn't much for most of them but right it's like i'm making pennies here man you got to take that too like yeah i'm kind of in a way promoting the these old 30 40 year old songs leonard skinner whatever you know don't you dare do that we'll take every cent you right but again, I get it. You know, it's to protect the music. I understand where they're coming from, but it has changed things for sure. So is YouTube still the bread and butter though? YouTube is the biggest bread and butter. Yes. I have started doing some smaller things like Twitch, which is just fun. I kind of just go there and hang out with, you know, 50 to 100 people any given day. It's re- I don't really promote it. I just kind of go low-key. I might play some games or play guitar. I like to do a lot of improv live guitar, uh, talk about the new signature, uh, and yeah. ask, you know, a lot of people have questions. And so I like to, to actually connect with my uh, audience and talk, and talk to them. I can't do it as often as I would like to every day, you know, but I try to at least three to four days a week, get on there for a couple hours and do oh, that, wow. which is fun. And, you know, they'll, they'll give you 10 bucks here and there. So that's something. Uh, and then the music on iTunes and Spotify, et cetera, would be another source of income as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Back to the uh, the sort of soccer dad thing. I'm going to sound a little disconnected here, but <laughs> when I first came across uh, the world you inhabit online, I was actually really confused because it was like amazing guitar playing, but it was funny too. And <laughs> I know you don't get this good at something casually, like it's just a funny thing. So I'm curious, how do you see humor intersecting with serious guitar playing? 
Well, first, thank you. I really appreciate that. Yes. Um, for me, it just made sense because with my growing up, I watched a lot of classic comedies, Abbott and Costello, Jerry Lee Lew- or Jerry Lewis. Uh, sorry, not the musician, the uh, comedian. So that has always been something that just kind of developed in my content. I think there's a relatability to it that hasn't really been... I think a lot of guitar has been... Uh, very cool. Look at me. I'm tough. I, I'm the best, you know, I'm manly and, and, you know, fuck yeah. But I think there's a side of it that people can relate to a lot of silly things that maybe someone might whisper to their friend at a local show, like, Oh, did you see this? That's kind of, is that kind of funny? You know? And I just took all those little things and, and blew it up, you know, and was just like, we're all thinking the same thing. You know, it's okay to say it. It's, it's okay to admit that you, can be a bearded manly metalhead and like cats, you know, that's fine. Right. Um, and of course there's pushback, you know, there's people who are your very, uh, staunch elitist metal heads. And, you know, I have the most respect for them as well. And they don't appreciate what I do and that's fine. What I do is not meant for everybody, but there is an audience for it. And, you know, I, I, I love my fans who support me for what I do. Yeah. Uh, let me give a little context to how, how I sort of see the landscape of, of music. Like I grew up, you know, in the middle of Ernie Ball. So being very aware of like the virtuoso guys and the, the shred right. and, and all that. But really my uh, formative years were like 90s where the guitar solo just went away, you know. So I was aware of that stuff, but then it was just, it was totally changed. You know, I played in punk bands and it it, it the the technical part really didn't matter at all. It just it just was irrelevant. And so right. for me, it it felt sort of like this lost art, almost like you have you look at like uh, ancient Greece or the Roman Empire, and they had these amazing <laughs> sculptures, you know, high proficiency. And then Middle Ages hit, and they're like drawn stick figures again. And, yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> as far as the technical playing, though, it's kind of a renaissance. Like when I, for and sure. again, I was disconnected, you know, I kind of moved away from the company for a little bit. I had kids, I was doing other things. So I was a little late to the scene, but I remember opening up the YouTube and just seeing you got you and, you know, other people in there and seeing coming across Jason Richardson. And I'm like, oh right. my God, like we're, <laughs> I did, I didn't know this, this happened again. Yeah. Uh, and it was, uh, so I don't know if you see a disconnect or like a rebirth or if you had always been tuned into more technical playing. I think it has a lot to show for the fact that there were a lot of musicians who, and there's, there are, there's just so many musicians who are so talented, but they don't have quite the connection to get their music out there. And then suddenly Easy Drummer came out. Then suddenly YouTube came out. Then suddenly TikTok came out. And every kid with a laptop in his bedroom can now record a song, bass, guitar, drums, and just post it and be like, this is me. You know what I mean? So I feel like the people who really stood out the Jason Richardson, you know, uh, now I'm seeing a lot more. There's, there's one, uh, in particular, I really like Ichika Nito. He's, I believe Japanese player. Um, I'm sorry if I, I get that wrong, but outstanding. And, uh, Instagram is huge for guitarists. Now I'm yeah. discovering so many new guitar players from Instagram and it's just so easy to take your phone, which is now a recording device that's actually not bad. Most phones have, you know, if you have an iPhone, it's it's 4K. You can make some pretty good looking stuff and then just post it to anybody in the world who wants to give them time. So I think there is a rebirth of Virtuoso guitar because of that, whereas mainstream labels you know the 90s and the early 2000s was more new metal and hits you know the the huge choruses and the the beats and the Mm -hmm. and the and stuff like that whereas the 80s was very much the shred and the the virtuoso and then i'm kind of a mixture of both because i was born i was born in 89 so i lived through the 90s and 2000s growing up i listened to bands you know from lincoln park and pod to uh, right. you know, Norma Jean and Azalea dying. And so, and then my dad would show me Van Halen and Boston and Rush and Journey and Foreigner. So I had this mix of all this music and it just ins- inspired me to create 
through YouTube and just through whatever, whatever I can, wherever I can post it. You know what I mean? I'm doing music, you know, working on an album with Howard Jones, uh, working on a solo album. And then it's interesting to see with the, that boom of technology and now with the shutdown of touring and live performance, real world musicians, as I like to call them, quote unquote, real world musicians, like, you know, Uh the, the triviums and the ones out there touring and stuff are coming over to Twitch and to YouTube and hitting up people like myself and other people who are prominent in this industry. And we're collabing, you know, yeah. uh, like I did a collab with Danny Warsnop, Asking Alexandria. That was recent it just because he, you know, it's like, well, what do I do? I can't tour. I can't do anything else. So I guess I'll just go where people will watch me and you know twitch is huge for that youtube is huge for that it's essentially you know uh matt from trivium has a twitch channel huge probably one of the biggest musicians on twitch and he and his band will do in this room they'll have these live concerts where it's trivium in a room with good sound fully mixed you know blended well everything it's fully state-of-the-art hd and they'll play performances to twenty thousand people on twitch and if you think about the amount of people that would be in real life, that is huge. That is a huge arena. Yeah. You're still getting that kind of satisfaction and fulfillment of performing and doing what you love to an audience. Cause that's what we are. We're musicians. I mean, yeah. we're, we're here to play music for people, you know? Yeah. I mean? It is, it is fascinating seeing the innovations that come out of this because definitely musicians got hit so hard on this. So mm-hmm. And then were you uploading regularly or did you have one video that, that took off instantly? Like, was that your first video or, or were you already posting? I had a few videos on YouTube, a few vocal covers, a few series idea, one called Underground Music Monday, where I would showcase local underground bands with my friend. Nothing big, nothing that got over 100 to 200 views. And then in 2014, I made a video called 10 Styles of Metal. And it was literally just me being bored in my house. Nobody was home. And I was just thinking, well, what do I do? Let's just make a funny skit and see what happens. So put out that video and it got a little traction. It had a couple thousand hits. And, you know, for me, I was like, holy crap, that's, that's insane. You know, then after a few weeks, it had like 10 or 15,000 views. And I was like, holy crap, like that is a lot of views for me. And then one day I, I remember waking up. And I had, I looked at my phone and I had a text from Ryan Bruce and he said, welcome to the internet. And I had no idea what he meant. But when I exited that message and looked at my phone, my apps were all 99 plus or 20 plus, whatever they say, you know? And so I was like, okay, what happened? So I go on Facebook and I mean, Metal Sucks, Metal Injection, Lamb Goat, Guitar World, Ultimate, like every web page site shared that video like at the same time. I don't know if it was the same dude, if he, you know, thank you, whoever you are, who, yeah. whatever guy works for all these companies and shared that, uh, thank you. But that just blew up. It just went nuts. And then I was having... It was so, I mean, it was bizarre how, because it took me an hour to film that video. It, to, it it sounds like garbage to me. There's no, like the mix is bad. The the video footage, it looks bad. It's all green and looks weird. But there were like local news articles coming out and it got like 2 million, 3 million, 4, 5 million. And then like people from Slipknot were sharing it. Uh, Bumblefoot from Guns N' Roses shared it all these people were sharing it and I'm just sitting here freaking out thinking what is happening? Why do you guys like this video? And then I thought, well, I have about 10 years of other types of videos I can do, you know? So let's see if you guys like these ones. And I will say, I am very happy to announce that that is not my biggest video to this day. So I actually have two hits. (laughs) That's awesome. Because that one was my biggest hit until last year. And then uh, I have a video called Every Guitar Store Guitarist. That oh, I yeah. I've seen up that here one, yeah. at the guitar store that yeah. finally, finally passed it. And that was like, yes, I'm no longer a one-hit oh, wonder. That's awesome. <laughs> that, I, everything you described, not to make this about me, 
but it, a total parallel with my silly dog video. Mm-hmm. When all of a sudden, my inbox just starts filling up, and it's like Huffington Post and yeah. CNN, and like it, it was, no, it makes no sense, right? It's like wh- somehow it it sort of like leapfrogs out of the friend circle and and yeah. finds the right person, and and all these people sharing. It's insane, but it's so it's so interesting to me what because w- when it's you and you you know it and you see it and you make it, you know every little detail nothing's new and exciting really because you're doing it but then you release it and everyone who's like well we've never seen this or we've never seen a take like this before or you know like yeah that that video i remember watching is fucking hilarious you know but to you it's probably like well that's you know do that all the time like totally yeah and and if if you're the kind of person like i know you are that just naturally creates stuff and puts it out it's like i've done so many things that no one really cared about you know oh yeah I, i would have never it's hard to predict what's going to catch fire. So. It's really, really hard to predict. In fact, because even now I'll be thinking, what video do I do now that I kind of know what I'm doing? And it's still, I'll put stuff out that I'm really excited about and it flops, Yeah, you know, stuff that I have, have all these years of experience in seeing all the videos that worked, all the ones that didn't. And I still think this one will work. And I'm right. really proud of this. And I put it out and no one cares. Yeah. And then there'll be like another one that I'm just, oh, this one's going to be kind of a crappy post, whatever, a little filler post. And it will just blow up. Sure. I actually legitimately had that happen so many times that I remember going into my studio to record a video, a drum video. And I had spent a week writing this song on drums because I wanted to do this really cool drum video. And so I hired a camera guy, got all these fancy lights, went in for this drum video, did it. And then on the way out, literally we're done. We're tearing down. I just said, Hey, just put the camera there real quick. And let me just have five or 10 minutes to like do a few little funny things. And he was like, okay, sure. So then that five minutes of me doing funny stuff ended up being drummers on drugs (laughs) <laughs> which took off to be like an eight million, six to eight million view yeah. video. And the video that I spent a week writing, like this right, right. really intense drum part, probably like 50,000 views, yeah. which is still, you know, 50,000 views. Hell yeah. But when you have, you know, a million subs or something, it's like, yeah, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like sometimes you just don't know. And sometimes it's hard just, to find that recipe. I guess if we knew the recipe, we'd do it all the time. I think that's the recipe. I think what it is, is that it's just whatever flows. Now, you know, I was watching, I've been watching a lot of Van Halen stuff lately, just, be, you know, recipes, Eddie and, and everything of, of his passing. And I've been watching a lot of um, their interviews where they talk about how like their first record or their second record was, Oh yeah, that was done in a week. Or like these songs were written and done in right. 10 minutes, you know, like uh, eruption. There was only one take ever recorded of eruption. Yeah. At, at yeah. least as far as the people at the, at the uh, Warner record studio know. And it was just like, that was it. You know what I mean? But when, I, th- I think that's there's something to that when you yeah. have magic that's just natural yeah sometimes when I'm, I'm writing a song it's like this is this is too hard it shouldn't be this hard and right. I'm not saying that as a rule of thumb all the time but if it flows out easily then there's maybe something something to it yeah but then sometimes you get over the hump and when it comes easy it can be received easy I don't know maybe, yeah, maybe. <laughs> one day I'll figure it <laughs> out what, I yeah. hope <laughs> uh, hey who was your first shred war against Oh, that was, oh, wow. That's a deep cut. You threw me for a loop there. That was, oh, that was back in 2015. That was Pete Cottrell. That was Pete Cottrell, actually. And what was funny was we didn't call it Shred Wars. Uh, I think I called it Who Shreds. Ah, I think okay. if I think the title is changed. I think if you type in Je- or Shred Wars Pete Cottrell, it will say Shred Wars Pete Cottrell. But if you click the video and watch it, the first 10 seconds, there's a title and it says like who shreds and it's, yeah, you know, okay. this whole thing. But then as it evolved, I changed it to Shred Wars. Yeah, no, that's okay. funny. I, I completely, I needed a second to think about that one. I wasn't sure. Hey, do you have a favorite? So within the Shred Wars series, do you have a favorite? Uh, say of your performance and then maybe one of your favorite guest performances. Okay. Um, 
I just recently posted this one, but I went, I, I've kind of went back and watched a few of them. I would say the one I did with Sophie Burl, I really enjoyed the performance that I did. And the one I did with Jason Richardson, I felt like was a turning point for me because <laughs> I spent so much time on that one to try and come up with like the most mm-hmm. ridiculous shred because it's yeah. Jason Richardson. You know what I mean? So I think I kind of evolved a little bit after that one. And then as far as another person's performance, oh man, they're so good. I really enjoy the one that I did with Stevie T specifically because it took so long to do it. I was messaging him for probably close to two years trying to get him to do a shred wars with me and it just wouldn't happen. And then finally, finally in, I think 2017, we finally did it. Um, And it's the biggest one, I think. I'm pretty yeah. sure it's my biggest Shred Wars to date, but that one was really fun. I really like the live one with Herman because okay. I, th- I think that showed a different side to Shred Wars with the live aspect. I think a lot of people um, could really relate to just if you were to cr- walk across somebody on a sidewalk and they were shredding. It's that kind of vibe. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not so much production and editing. And I think there's there's an element there that is really cool that the other Shred Wars don't have. But there's so many. I mean, Angel yeah. Vivaldi, the one with Michelangelo Badio we just did. I saw, that's awesome. He yeah. pulled out his, you know, oh my God. They're so fun. But why did why did that one not line up with Stevie T for so long? I'm not entirely sure. I think he it was kind of we were both busy and and he was doing his own thing, you know, and um, it could be something to do because we didn't really start talking too much until a little after that, maybe a year after that or so. He might have been leery of maybe didn't know who really I was or I don't know. I've actually never asked him. That'd be a good question for yeah, him. I, and maybe this is common knowledge. I don't know that the backstories. Were you guys sort of doing things in parallel, similar things or at least overlapping things? And then you finally connected? We were doing similar content, but he wasn't posting as much back then. I was posting pretty much every other day, and he would post maybe once every month, every couple months. Mm. Uh, And then it wasn't until more recently that he started doing it full time. So back then, not so much. It wasn't until probably 2018 where we kind of started collabing, doing similar videos. I made a little roast track on him. He made a little diss track on me. You know, we did gent 2019, which was my 18 string guitar versus his 20 string guitar, yes. yeah. you know? Uh, and yeah, you know, he's a great dude. Love, love me some Steve. Do you make all the backing tracks for the shred wars? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's one or two that I have not because I was on tour, but Yes. That sounds like quite a task in itself. I mean, I don't know if you recycle them. I've, I'm always tuned into the leads. To- oh, it's so fun. I love it. Yeah. I've maybe recycled a couple. Like yeah. I would use, I would either use a Shred Wars riff for a song or pull a riff from a song and change it a little bit and then just kind of like throw it in there. If I'm like, I only do that though, if I'm really stressed or rushed for time and I need to get something out to the artist that they can perform to and get it back to me. Yeah. I'd be like, okay, what's a quick riff I could throw together and, and change and kind of manipulate. So you don't even really notice a similar riff or I'll change the drums. So it's totally different, but um, I actually love doing that. That as that part of me, the songwriting, the riff writing, I love that. It's very much like putting together a puzzle for me. Yeah. And I'm not good at puzzles, but yeah. I'm kind of decent at, at songs and learning as I go. So do you have various invites out at any given time for, for shredders? I have a few. I've definitely uh, talked to a few people outside of my league, I'll say, uh, you know, and, and some that actually have responded and said they would be down, just they don't have the time or for a future time or whatever. Uh, you know, I've asked John Five, I've asked John Perchucci, a lot of Johns, John Mayer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, nice. uh, you know, the uh, John Five, you know, he, I've, I've talked to him a few times, you know, we're cool. He He's aware of me and Perchucci as well. I met him finally. Uh, thanks to you guys, actually, finally met Petrucci. That would be a really cool one. What to about do. like a 
Paul Gilbert. Yeah, that like yeah. The, the thing is that I don't have access yeah. to these people really. You know what I mean? And yeah. and so it's more so of uh, getting it con. Like if if I were to reach out and he said, "Well, I can't do it till next year." Cool, let's do it next year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's fine. But I just don't really. One, I don't want to come across like that guy. You know what I mean? And two, I just don't have the. You're- cold call on these guys. Yeah. Sure. You know, and you DMing on Instagram is all well and good, but come on. How many people are really checking their DMs on on Instagram, you know? Like <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe Nam 2022 hit up some people. Yeah. Oh, I'm so bummed about yeah. that, man. That's a really that's unfortunate, but probably a lot of stress off of you guys not having to worry <laughs> about that right now considering all that I'm sure you're going yeah. through. Yeah. Bittersweet, bittersweet. Yeah. So we, we kind of talked about the technical stuff that takes a long time, right? Just keeping up your chops, getting this, this proficient on guitar. You also have to be brainstorming. I would think editing, like just so many things, uh, so many aspects to your job that take up a lot of time. So I'm wondering how you break up your day and fit it all in. Maybe you could, could you run us through a typical day in the life of Jared Dines? Well, I like to sleep as much as possible, first and foremost. But no, this year has been the hardest for me because I actually am doing it all myself because of quarantine and lockdown and everything. I would usually have uh, a camera person to help me and all this stuff. But a typical day would be, you know, if if I'm going to be doing a video, I would wake up, do my normal routine, and then script a video or have one scripted from the previous day, film it and then edit it and then re-edit it, you know, until it's perfect. And that takes all you, you're doing, that's all me. That's all me. So that, that right there is at least probably four to six hours, I would say, and then post it or schedule it out. Um, and then from there it's okay. What's next? What do I have in my list of ideas? Okay. Find one, boom, script it then get it ready for the next day or whatever. Uh, and then depending on what I want to do, should I go live on Twitch and play guitar? You know, I'll have my manager hitting me up. Hey, you got this stuff. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do this. Okay. And then I'll have, you know, emails to get to and stuff to, to plan. And, you know, like I said earlier, I was, I'm working on the album with Howard Jones. So Are you that's talking about Howard Jones from the eighties. From Killswitch Engage. Oh, okay. Howard Jones. Yeah, yeah sorry. Okay. No, that, yeah. that's an interesting That would have been a much different record. <laughs> um, okay. No, 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 no. Yeah, no. Killswitch Engage, Howard Jones. There's there's the soccer dad comment right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah go no, you're good. So we're planning all that stuff. And then, so just a lot of real music. I'll sit down and write maybe for a couple hours. And it's just really, at that point, what comes to me in the day. Does somebody message me and say, Hey, let's do something, you know, like on Twitter or something. And that could spark creativity or that could spark a collab, you know, and I'll be ready for that. So I kind of, to an extent, I like to keep myself open to where it's like, okay, on Monday I'm going to allow, or I'm going to do four or six hours of this, but then I'm going to just kind of do whatever and see what happens and just kind of vibe or, you know, chill and then post on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and keep up with all the social medias and stuff like that. I actually just recently hired a Facebook guy to help me with my Facebook page because I had hired a different Facebook uh, company apparently to help me promote that. So I don't have to worry about it, but I wasn't super happy with how they were doing it. So I hired someone else. So I have someone taking care of my Facebook page now, my actual public page. Like I have a personal one that I run but other than that public Facebook page, I do everything else. The filming, the, yeah. the lighting, the audio, the recording, the mixing, the math. Like it's, it's fucking tedious. Excuse my French. You don't set aside time for just for brainstorming. Those ideas are just going to float into your brain whenever it happens. Sometimes I do, but usually I'll just be kind of doing whatever. And then I'll see something and I'll think, you know, that'd be really funny if that was in a video. And yeah, then yeah. It just, you know, there it is. How about actually playing your guitar? Does that, do you set aside time to practice? Yeah, I try to as often as I can. Usually practice for me looks like me playing over backing tracks to improv. I like to try and keep up with that just because 
I've always enjoyed the live performance aspect to musicianship, and I want to try and keep that uh, toned as much as possible. So I'll pull up, you know, blues, dirty rock in A minor, and then I'll pull up ripping heavy metal in C sharp minor or whatever it will be, and I'll have to mentally, okay, switch key, switch vibe, just... That's great. So, so you're you're uh, pushing the improv. Yeah, I really am. I think that's uh, it's been fun too for me because when I do it on Twitch, there's moments that happen. Like I might improv for two hours. Most of it might be decent, but there might be a thirty second section here or a, a two minute section here that was really cool. And then I'll take that, clip it out, maybe post it on Instagram, maybe actually write something around it. So improving live is really nice because I can capture everything I do and not have to think about, oh, you know, I need to make sure I'm playing the right notes. It's like, well, I mean, yes, but you play what you want because you're improving, right? So you can kind of do both. Best of yeah. both worlds. You can record and improv. So well hey, let's back up. When did you start playing guitar? I started when I was 13. Um, I, uh, I actually wanted a drum set first, but what had happened was my grandfather passed away and because of his life insurance money, my grandmother gave me and my brother each a few hundred dollars for Christmas. And so I was looking for drum sets, but finding a drum set for $300 isn't really uh, feasible, but I could find a guitar. So I found a guitar and started playing it. It was, you know, when you start playing as a kid, I might have dived into it for a couple years, put it down for a couple years, you know, get frustrated, then pick it back up and off and on like that for probably until I was about 16 or 17. And then I really started taking it seriously. Uh-huh. My dad actually told me if I could learn the live performance of Big Love by Fleetwood Mac, that he would buy me my first real guitar, you know. <laughs> Because my first guitar was the Squire starter strat with the five watt, you know, amp and the the thing everyone gets. But my first real guitar, which I still have, by the way, that it's an Ibanez SZ five twenty, and I still have it. Uh, it's so I, I took like two months and I learned the song. It's it's all classical finger picking kind of stuff that I just never did. So it took me forever, but I finally learned it. I played it for my dad. He said, "Okay." We'll get you your first real guitar. So we went to Ted Brown Music Store and then got the guitar. And then I was just hooked because I had an actual guitar that felt nice. It wasn't fighting me to play it. The action wasn't bad, you know? Yeah. So I was actually enjoying it. It felt nice. Like, oh, this is smooth. This feels like how I kind of want it to feel. And then it was just, oh, I want to learn every song that I fell in love with. You know what I mean? And are you mostly into metal growing up? It was a lot of different stuff growing up, actually. I didn't get into metal until I was probably around 14. Before that was a lot of classic rock. My dad had a lot of old vinyls. He had an old Cutlass that he put a huge stereo system in. He'd blast ACDC and Boston and, you know, one of those type of dudes. So we would listen to classic rock mostly growing up. And then I started... play? My dad plays piano, and okay. I think he played a little bit of trumpet, but that's it. They just oh. really enjoy it. And they went to, I still have actually ticket stubs, uh, Van Halen ticket stubs from the early 80s that my mom and my dad went and saw <laughs> yeah. them, and Journey's ticket stubs and all this shit. And I'm like, okay. So uh, they're definitely into it, even though they don't play. So they were yeah. very supportive, and they kind of introduced me to music. And then the metal came more so from my friends and myself discovering it and uh, kind of branching out. Yeah. So that that's probably where your uh, soloing and shredding came from, right? The metal influence? Or was it more of like an, an 80s hearkening back to an earlier age? Yeah. I think the the shredding was for sure the Van Halen. Because Van Halen is like, that was it. When I When I saw like footage of them playing and heard eruption and like, I just wanted to be that, you know what I mean? As a kid. Yeah. I just want to be a rock star, you know? So I, I learned like as many Van Halen songs as I possibly could and as many, all you know, solos and, and stuff. And so the soloing is very much 
more of an 80s shred, just kind of balls to the wall kind of thing. And then the the rhythm and the riffs is much more the metal side of me. And it, you can hear that a lot in my band, Daddy Rock. The It's very, mo- it's modern and it's, it's it's still rock and roll because there's like no screaming. It's it's all singing, but uh, the riffs are definitely modern and heavy. But the solos are definitely '80s and shred. So you can kind of hear my influence because that's the project, the first project I've ever done where it's solely me writing the music. Yeah. Hey, do you have any strange fan interactions that come to mind? <laughs> Oh yeah, there was this one time I was at Warp Tour, and there was this guy who, who would just kind of sort of be about ten feet away from me at all times, and I would notice I'd, I'd walk to this stage, the monster stage, watching the band, and fifteen minutes into the set, I look over, and there he was, and oh, interesting, okay, whatever. I'd walk to you know the the Vans Warp Tour stage, and staying there for 15 20 minutes oh he's here again oh okay and so this happened the entire day until the very end and as i'm leaving this venue with my friends and their band and everything he literally comes up and gets in my way and stops me physically with drumsticks in his hand and just says sign these and he's like he's like 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 shaking and, I, and I'm not making fun of him. Cause like, yeah, I get it, you know, and, and I probably would do the same if I was yeah. talking to someone I look up to, but I was so, it freaked me out so yeah. bad. Cause he, this just was so like aggressive. And I had been kind of leery about him for the last couple hours. Cause he was just lingering everywhere I was. And then for him to just aggressively approach me and be like, sign this. I was like, oh my God. So that scared me. Oh, it's kind of uh, cute for lack of a better word. Like she sure. was so nervous. That was that was his entire warp tour was like, I got to yeah. do this. I got to yeah. do this. And then he and made so his stand. Like, I feel bad, right? But it's it's so it's so weird because it, it was, to me, I'm just a guy. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's the truth. That's all I am. So it's like, you know, it, I, I'm totally okay with people politely approaching me and just saying, Hey, you know, love your stuff. Or can I get a picture or can you sign this? Whatever. That's totally fine. Uh, I've definitely at shows had things happen where I'll be behind the venue on my phone or next to the, the tour van on my phone, talking to somebody and someone will just come up and like put their arm around me and like take a picture and walk away. Or someone will come up and interrupt me as I'm talking on the phone and just be like, yo, I need to talk to you, man. Like just two minutes. I swear. I'm sorry that you're on. I'm just like, dude, come on, man. Right. And then they'll go out and call me an asshole. Those are kind of, those are interesting experiences for sure, but they're usually really nice. I would say 99.9% of the fan interactions are always really well. Yeah. Do you, do you have like a worst comment that you found online? Oh, worst. Or maybe we shouldn't give that person any oxygen. I mean, they're all the same, to be honest. It's all right. just, it's all just, you're yeah, not funny, you suck, you know, it's just whatever. It, 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 and it's, got, it's gotten to a point where you see the same thing over and over and over again, where I just now say, hey, you know what? If that's fine, just try to be original. Come up with something. Like, you, can you come up with something that I've never heard before? <laughs> right. I will pay you if you can tell me something I haven't been called yet. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. And a lot of times that too is lighthearted. And a lot of times when I do respond to people and I just say, Hey man, sorry, you don't like it. You know, better luck next time. They'll be like either one. Oh dude, I'm a huge fan. I didn't know you were going to respond or even see this. That's crazy. Right. Or two, they'll, Oh, well, you know, I, I guess I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. Like whatever. Yeah. You know? The humanity so, comes through. Exactly. It yeah. finally does. But you know, yeah. they're just having a bad day and they're like, oh, this guy's not funny or whatever. And then fuck this guy. And then, yeah. you know, once they're always oh, an actual person, oh, it, it, it just <laughs> comes with the territory. I mean, I, I, got, I got shit for putting out dog videos. So, yeah. you know, yeah. Did, it, did like, it affect you when you, when you first were public? Yeah, for sure. Because I wasn't used to it. you know, you're, your friends will just be like, yeah, it's great. So for me, it was very much odd to just have people. I had no idea who they were just coming at me with these. What bothers me the most is people who will write a paragraph 
basically saying, oh, yeah, well, he was spoiled his whole life. His parents gave him everything. And then, you know, when he grew up, and it's like, how do you know any of this? And first of all, you're wrong about all of it. Yeah. So that bothers me. And that makes me feel like I should correct it every now and then. And I used to. I don't anymore just because reading those comments puts me in a bad mental place and I don't like going there. And so I just don't read them anymore at all. But if they're just a comment that says you suck, then it's like, all right, dude, okay, whatever, you know, but there's so few and far between, like there's probably one negative comment every 300 positive comments. You know what I mean? And there's just going to be that when you're on the internet. Of course. Oh, I would think a lot of people watch your videos and think this guy has the best job in the world. (laughs) But what would you say is the hardest part of your job? Self-motivation. Yeah. And self-inspiring, inspiration, self-inspiration. Yeah. I would say that for sure. That's especially hard this year because there's nothing happening in that's really inspiring me other than negative things. I mean, for me, when I think of inspiring, I think of hanging out with my friends, having fun adventures, good memories, uh, going to live shows, performing live shows, going to crazy places and, you know, having people over and filming skits. And I can't really do that. Yeah. So I don't know. It's It's been rough in the, in this past year, for sure, dealing with... Staying inspired. Yeah, stay, yeah th- th- especially. And it's like, if you're not living, you're, there's nothing that you're seeing to inspire you. And for me, it's very... Once I've done something, like I'm the type... I will post a video. I will spend all the time on a video and I'll post it and I will never watch it again. I'll never go back to it once or I'll do a song and I'll post it and I'll never listen to it again. Just because once it's done, it's time to move on and do something new. And it's like what, uh, like the shred collab videos that I have done every year for the past five years. Uh, people keep asking me, are you doing another big shred collab this year? And it's like, I don't think so, man, because everyone else is now. And I've kind of been doing it for a while, and I think it's time to do something else. Uh And if you don't have a fresh pool of inspiration, but you're at that point of needing to do something else, it can be very difficult because I'm finding myself a little bit thinking, what do I do? Because I know what I want to do. I want to write songs. I want to, I want to, film skits. I want to hang out with my friends. I want to have a good time and share that with the world, make people laugh and, and leave music behind when I pass. That's what I want. But it, it's just been rough lately. So I'm just kind of like trying to be okay with just existing and just kind of letting life happen for a bit Yeah, without going insane because I'm not doing anything. And then I am doing things, but to me, there are things that don't really have any meaning they're, they're, they're just so superficial. You know what I mean? Like, like YouTube videos that are, you know, uh, look at these 30 ugly headstocks. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's like, yeah, that's, that's fun. That's entertainment. But that's, yeah. that's not what I want to do. I'm not interested in that. Like, but I at the same to, time, I was going to say, you know, that's actually, it, it, I could see it feeling like that, but it's also pretty clever because how many times have we just noticed an ugly headstock, you know, like, <laughs> oh, two video on it. Sure. It's actually sure. good content. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you. But you know what I mean? Like, like things that, that have more meaning, I guess. I, I, I found after doing it for six years um, and doing music for close to 20, I've found that I want something with a little bit more meaning behind it. Like, and maybe this, you know, stems a little bit from the passing of Eddie. I, he was my number one idol. I actually looked like him. You know, I had hair like him, I, everything when I was a kid, right? Yeah. And obviously this is years ago, you know, and I've grew out of it. But that made me really think like in my life and in my existence, what has stood out as the happiest and the most exciting I have ever felt. And that is literally when I discovered Van Halen and knew I wanted to be a guitarist and I wanted to play in front of people and I wanted to write songs and I wanted to do music and have fun. And when I think about that and you, you know, in the world and the news and it's COVID this and 300,000 deaths of that, and Oh, we're on fire and this world's burning and we're all going to die. And it's just like, 
okay, um, maybe we should do something that's putting positivity out into the world and something that's helping, you know, kind of inspire others and, and, and focus on things that are, that are giving them that feeling I got back when I was a kid. So when you don't have a fresh pool of inspiration, it's kind of hard because I, I feel like sometimes there is somebody inside of me screaming as loud as they can and they can't get out to let that person out. Do you think that's more writing your own songs with a band or yourself? Is that, is that that what that would satisfy that most? I think so. I think that's kind of where I'm at. I want to write songs and I am, you know what I mean? We're, we're halfway through it. We're doing an album with Howard. I got a solo album coming out, all this stuff. And I, I hope that it's received well, you know, because I am putting everything that I can into it. You know what I mean? And I just want it to do well because it's almost at a point where, well, if this doesn't do well, you know what I mean? What's, what's next. So we'll, uh, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. That's great. Any, any dates yet you can put out for, for releases or is it a little fuzzy still? It's still a little fuzzy. We don't quite know. There's a lot of uh, label work around happening so we're still kind of doing that but i can say we have about six songs finished or damn near finished and we're hoping for at least 10 and a release may be a song by the end of the year a song or two and hopefully the record by by next year yeah cool and sorry what's the, is the is it a band name or is it under your your personal name we haven't really uh, come up with the full name yet. It's just okay. me and Howard. I've I just sit in my room and write songs, and then I send them to him, and he records his vocals, sends them back, and we just kind of go back and forth like that. And then actually, December first through the fifth, I'll be in L.A. at a studio, uh, finalizing a lot of these songs. So that will be kind of a big wrap up for at least the initial six and hopefully a few of them the other ones so yeah. stay tuned for that yeah looking forward to it uh, there's a lot of people and articles saying it's going to sound like old kill switch which i think is going to just be natural because it's howard and and he is that singer but i think there's a twist that they're not gonna expect nice it's it's got some it's got some cool sounds in there so yeah awesome okay and that is probably the last time that I felt the most fulfilled was when he flew up here and we started in-person tracking and we tracked for a week. And that I, I did. I, when I came home from that, I felt like I came home from the best summer camp ever. And I just wanted to go back. Oh, that's awesome. Wait, where are you? I'm in Washington. Okay. Yeah. Pacific Northwest. So it's not exactly bright and sunny as it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Why don't we do a, a top five favorite guitar players? Do you have such a list? Uh, I can come up with one. Yeah, for sure. Number one, Eddie Van Halen, of course. Uh -huh. uh, he started it for me, as I'm sure millions of others. Um, John Petrucci. Love John Petrucci. Great, great player. Dream Theater. I remember watching Dream Theater uh, DVDs with my parents back when I was 15, 16 years old at the house, you know, and just in awe, yeah. you know, of what I was watching. Actually, one of my friends, I, I'm going to, I'm going to give a couple friends shout outs here because I legitimately think they're amazing players. Uh, Tim Henson, insane. Olivia, so good. Uh, Angel Vivaldi, love Angel Vivaldi. He's, he's a fantastic player. Uh, I'm a huge Guthrie Govan fan. I think he just, his knowledge, his phrasing is, is just blows my mind. I, I it just blows my mind. Um, and then dude, there's so many, there's so yeah, many, Steve yeah, Vai, Joe Satriani, Zach Wilde. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the classic shredders for sure. Um, sure. they just, they just hold that special place in my heart, you know? Yeah. Uh, as far as new and modern sounds with the guitar, I would say Tim Henson, Angel Vivaldi, Ichikanito. Yeah. There's a few. There's a good That's list. That's great. Have you done a shred war with Tim Henson? I have not. Actually, he was supposed to be on... I've done a 
I've done a shred collab with him and he was supposed to be on uh, Gent 2020, but he had to fly out to track more Polyphia. Okay. So he was unable to make that, but we have not actually done a shred wars. I did see him on the collab. That's right. Yeah. 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 He's sick. It, it's very, it's very fresh. It's a different approach, which I really enjoy. It is impressive how unique their voice is. You know, it's so identifiable, which is hard to do. You know, it's even more impressive at the fact that they don't sing. Exactly. <laughs> They're yeah. an instrumental group. They don't even have a voice. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so like their styles are just so, so uh, refined to themselves. Yeah. It's easy for an instrumental act to drift towards sounding like a backing track, you know? Exactly. It's, it's nothing like that. So props right. to them. Yeah, for sure. Very energetic and exciting. Oh, Toes in a Bossy. I have to say, I have to say Tozen, yeah. his, his whole technique, uh, his new thump technique, he's, he's coming up like, it's so cool to see how innovative people are getting with the guitar, you know, and it may not be as extreme as the first guitar with distortion or the first Floyd Rose, but it's still sure. really cool to see the evolution of styles i guess the finger picking meeting the slap bass meeting the shred you know meeting the blues and the classical and the fusing it i love that kind of stuff i think fusion is a huge uh future for music is like hmm. pretty much, I, I i i think that's what it is i mean we've already we've been seeing it like post malone ozzy osbourne uh, i saw a picture of tim actually with mgk you know he's a pop rap guy you know, it's 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 just yeah. kind of like a thing where I feel like, uh, what was that one? Fever 333 rock band with uh, Poppy, I think. Um, it's just, it's a yeah. Doja Cat. She just did that one really popular TikTok song, but they did a metal version of it. And there yeah, was okay. some drama where she took, or the band took Pliny's song and essentially kind of reworked it for that live performance and but it's this intermingling of metal and pop and fusion. And it's really cool to see. I feel like in the next five or 10 years, we're going to metal is going to be very mainstream. I think hundred percent. Do you have a top five favorite videos you've made? Hmm. I'm sure I do. Let's see. I really like, I mean, I got to say 10 styles of metal just because it was like the first video. So I kind of have to, you know, got to know where my roots are. Give a little shout out there. So I like that one. That one was fun. The metal screaming doesn't take talent video. I really enjoyed that where I walk around publicly before the COVID thing happened and ask people to give me their best metal scream (laughs) and to see who can do it and who can't. That one I really enjoyed. I really like Gent 2018. That's when I actually got the 18 string and wrote my first song that I wrote on the 18 string was that video, uh, which was ridiculously hard to do. (laughs) <laughs> by the way, but it once it was done and out, I was really proud of it. Things guitar store employees say for sure. Okay, that was a I believe that was about four years ago. That one came out, but that was one of my first skit videos, and it was the first video I filmed in a guitar store. Yeah, and then you know the biggest shred collabs are always so much fun. I love collabs. Uh, yeah, you know I get inspired by uh, other musicians. And when they send me a drum track or a, a vocal track or a guitar track, that's really sick. I'm just like, Oh, you bastard. That's so good. You know, yeah. it, but it actually does inspire me. All right. Let's, uh, end on, uh, maybe touching on being an Ernie ball artist. So how did this come about? Oh, well, this was, this has been quite a few years. Um, we, you guys sent me my first majesty back in 2016, I think. And it was very, very handshake deal. And we just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, I promoted and then you guys were like, oh, you know, you need strings or something. And then I believe through Fluff, uh, I got in contact with Tim and then got endorsement for strings. So that's how that started. Yeah. And, uh, which from then we began to discuss potential signature guitars. Hey, had you played a majesty before? I hadn't before ever. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was my first time. Okay. Um, I, the video is still up. Uh, it's an unboxing video of, uh, I filmed oh, okay. when I got it. Yeah. And it's yeah. still there and never played one before that, but that was actually the guitar that I used for the Stevie T shred wars because I got it the day before 
I had to record that. And that was, you know, two years in the making. So it was perfect timing Yeah, uh, for still my biggest shred wars to use that, uh, that Ernie ball majesty, but, um, or that music majesty, but yeah, it's, uh, it's been a great ride. You know, like I said, I, I came down, um, I want to say a couple of years ago now to meet with Sterling and the rest of the family and go through the factory, set up the, uh, the prototype. And Sterling was like, all right, we're going to send you home with a guitar. What do you want? <laughs> and I was just like, okay, uh, well, I like those colors because there was a red stingray and it had silver uh, hardware. So I was like, well, that red one's cool, but I like gold hardware. So he said, okay, well, we'll get you switched out with gold hardware. And I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, well, I like, you know, I really like that cutlass neck though. It's, it's, it's nice. He's like, well, we'll put the fucking cutlass neck on there then. All right. You know? <laughs> so, you know, he calls his, you know, people to come and do it. So then they set it up for me and I sat there and I, I played for him for a little bit. He's like, what do you think? And I was like, it's good. Yeah. And he's like, oh, cool. All right. I'll see you later. And so then uh, I, I took it home and he just, he kind of Frankensteined a little, a little guitar for me there, which w- was pretty similar, but also, uh, quite different than, than the final signature that we came up with. I dig the gold hardware too. Oh, I love it so much. It's, it's perfect. I play it all the time on stream and people always come through and, and just have all nice things to say about it. And I think it's great. Well, this has been great. Jared Dines. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in to Ernie Ball's Striking Accord podcast. Make sure you're following Jared Dines on social media. He's always putting out new content and you want to stay updated on album releases, etc. If you'd like to give us a kind review on your podcast app, that would be fantastic. If you'd like to contact us, please email strikingaccord at ernieball.com. For the record, uh, you are our most professional guest so far with your audio. (laughs) Well, thank you. Um, I try.